0: Every preacher's worst nightmare came true for me not too long ago. Now, most of you missed it. This is the first time that I'm sharing about it publicly, but a few of you saw it. It was back in our drive-in day, drive-in church days in early May. Remember that? Kind of seems forever ago, doesn't it? Well, uh, I was praying and I got off the portable stage, climbed the ladder down and and our middle school pastor, Matt Rodriguez came up to me and he whispered in my ear and he said, hey, bro, your fly is down. (laughs) So we both looked down and sure enough, the barn door was wide open. Now, this image behind me was a snapshot from that service. We cropped it. The family service, right? Kids are watching. But uh, but if you've ever wondered why sometimes our services are just deleted and you can't watch it anymore online, now you know. <laughs> and listen, you know when when you you go bald in your early or late twenties, uh, like myself, something inside of you just kind of dies. And so when you have moments like this, you're just aware of what's happening. You're aware of it, and you're like. Lord, thank you for your cloak of humility. <laughs> I'm serious, y'all. Like, when I'm playing golf sometimes. I'll slice it into the woods or, or spend too much time in the bunker. I'm just like, thank you, Lord, for clothing me in your humility. Like, you need to try it, y'all. Like, instead of just getting embarrassed about stuff that just happens, just say, Lord, thank you for another opportunity to walk in your humility. It will change your life. I'm serious. I'm so glad that you're here. We started a brand new series last week called Soapbox. Many of you are here in person. Some of you are joining us online. And... The soapbox over a hundred years ago was something that was used to carry a lot of soap and deliver it. And people would use that box as a way and uh, to communicate what they wanted to share publicly. So if they had an opinion that they felt strongly enough, they'd go to a public place, put their soapbox down, stand upon it, and then shout it out. Now today, what is our modern day soapbox? It's social media, isn't it? Let's be honest. And as much as I love what God is doing in and through his church during these very difficult times, I want you to know as a pastor, I'm surprised and deeply concerned in what I see to be just a straight up lack of humility as we navigate through the political, racial, and COVID issues. We have Christians on both sides that are just arrogant. The perception is arrogant. Especially on what we, we, you guys have seen it, right? Have you not seen it? Like it's, it's, just, it's just out there. And, and I think we're doing more harm than good because the reality is, it's is just as important as what we say. How many of you know it's important how we say it? And this is an area that we can grow because in a quest to be right, we've lost being loving and we have forgotten a spirit of humility that is vital in how we communicate, how we live our lives as followers of Jesus. Now more than ever, because we are living in challenging times, and this is the time for us to, yes, we need to share a conviction. We need to talk about and communicate our opinions, but we must do it in a way that reflects the image of Christ. We must do it in a humble way. And we can do that. So let's turn in our Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. We're spending four weeks going through the book of Philippians. We're st- we're studying it with a method that we're calling SOAP. It's scripture, observation, application, prayer. So in your private time... In your abiding time with the Lord, we're encouraging you to, to read the chapter of Philippians. Maybe read it every day in a different translation. Maybe New Living, King James, New King James. Amplify the message. Read it through a different lens. And then as you're reading through the chapter, focus on one scripture. Write it down in your notes. Then write your observations and then your application. How you can make that truth practical to everyday living. And then finally, respond to this passage of scripture in prayer. We're gonna do that together. Let's focus on one scripture in Philippians chapter 2, verse 4. Remember, Paul is writing from where? He's writing from prison. He's writing to the church of Philippi. He says, Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. Let's read it again. It says, Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in who? in others too. Remember, he's writing from jail. If there's ever a time that you would want to look out for your own interest, it would be while you're in jail. And remember, he's writing to the church of Philippi who is enduring a lot of persecution. And he's under times of distress, stress, pressure, persecution, that we have a tendency, like it's almost human nature, to want to isolate, to want to look out for your own needs financially or or your needs of how you're going to eat and how you're going to survive. And Paul's saying times are tough, but let's focus on others. Let's focus on other people. It was certainly his heart, and it should be our heart as well, because we are living in difficult times, aren't we? This is a challenging season, and it would be tempting just to isolate, to become inward, to hoard, to isolate. But rather, let's not forget the great command of Jesus who said to love God with all of our heart, mind, and strength, and to love who? Love your neighbor as yourself. How can we do that unless we have a spirit of humility And so let's unpack this verse. Let's look at a few other verses in Philippians chapter 2 that talk about having a spirit of humility. How are we going to, man, when when it just, everything screams at us to look at our own interests. How do we shift that and look at the interest of others? So what are some observations that you have? If you're worshiping with us online, go ahead and type out some of your observations that you have during our time together. But I want us to look also at verse 2 of Philippians 2. He says, Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. See, we see it brings him great joy when everybody's getting along. When everyone has this spirit of humility and you're, you're in one mind, you're one purpose, you have a common understanding and you're serving each other, you're looking at each other's interests. When you do that, there's gonna be a unity. You're gonna get along. When we get away from that, you're gonna start complaining and nitpicking and having control and being critical. And, and, and Paul's like, don't, he's under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He's saying, don't do that. He's like, serve one another. Put, put your interest on one another. Did you know that there are 55 one another's in Scripture, like we are to honor one another, serve one another, greet one another, love one another, forgive one another. Like we need to do all of them except for the greet each other with a holy cri- kiss. Like especially now, right? That's the only one that we probably can't do, but everything else. This is how we can practically look out to the look out for the interest of other people. So in verse three of Philippians chapter two, Paul he, he's. Black and white. I love how straightforward he is. I mean, he's on his, his soapbox and he's saying, don't be selfish. Don't allow pride to be the root that causes you to be so selfish. But rather, he says, don't try to impress others. Isn't it, again, I mean, when we're walking in the flesh, we want to be known. We want to be right. We want to have control. We want to have the image that we're better than we actually are. And, and, and Paul's saying, take off the mask don't try to impress others. Just be real. Be transparent. And then he's, I, lo- I love what C.S. Lewis says in, in defining humility. Because in verse 3, he, Paul says to be humble. And, and being humble means to just emptying yourself of anything that strives to be important or to be highly esteemed or known. Like John the Baptist. Remember in John 3, he said, I want to decrease so Christ can increase. It should be the desire of our heart every day to become less and less so Christ can become more and more. He can become greater and that I can become less. Uh, Like C.S. Lewis, he said this in defining humility. He said, humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Don't be so preoccupied in thinking about yourself and elevating yourself. But focus on the Lord. Focus on other people. Remember, the author of this letter is who? Paul, right? And if there was ever someone in the Bible who was ambitious, type A, very driven, it was Paul. And he confesses that in his story throughout many of his letters. He, he almost He's like, man, when I, when I was part of the Judaism faith before Christ... I went through the hoops. I went through the system. I was very ambitious in my education. I I put Christians in prison. I I put them to death. I mean, that was who he was, very driven. Then he had an encounter with Jesus. Remember, on the the road to Damascus, has a vision. He's seen Jesus. Jesus says, why are you persecuting me? And then for three days, he was blind. God blinded Paul. I believe it's because he humbled him. He was on his high horse and he was like, I can't use this guy the way he is. And so he humbled him. Scripture says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Right? Proverbs says, when you are proud, be careful lest you you fall. Right? Here's the the thing with, with pride and humility. When it comes to humbling and being of a humble person, there's really two options. Either you can humble yourself or God will humble you. And I know that when you humble yourself, it's a whole lot less painful than when God does it. But the reality is God wants you to be humble. If you're going to be his follower, you've got to understand it's part of his nature to be humble. So how do we get there? How do we we walk in humility? How do we do that? Because scripture says, right, it says to humble yourself under God's mighty hand that in due time he will lift you up so how do we choose humility? How do we humble ourselves? Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and, and turn from their wicked ways, I will forgive their sins and heal their land. And if there has ever been a time that we as a church, we as a whole need to humble ourselves, it's right now. So how do we humble ourselves? Well, I think we can look at Paul. I mean, he went from very, being very driven, very ambitious, having an encounter with Jesus. God humbles him. For three days, he's blind. He didn't know how long that was going to last. You talk about being humbled. I mean, that, that, would, that would be pretty scary, right? Like for thinking this is going to last a long time. Like I'm going to have to be dependent upon others. I'm going to have to be a beggar. Like he didn't know. But in his brokenness, God allowed him to learn the lesson Through suffering and through obedience, and to walk after Jesus and have a spirit of humility. When we read some of the letters, Paul talks about his identity. Like you will read phrases, and and Paul will refer to himself as, I'm least of all the apostles. He says, I'm least of all of the saints. And then he even says, I'm chief of all sinners. And when you read these things about Paul, you kind of get maybe an understanding of who Paul saw himself as. And you can almost make the assumption that as Paul grew in his faith, that he became more, uh, he he understood his role. Like he went from being the worst of all sinners to the least of all the saints to least of all the apostles. But it's crucial to understand when he said these things about himself. So he wrote to the church of Corinth in A.D. 56 when he said, I am less than all of the apostles. There were 12 apostles. He says, I'm less of all of them. And then four years later in A.D. 60, he wrote to the church of Ephesus and said, I am least of all the saints. He's like the whole body of Christ at large. I'm least of all of them. And then two years later, he would write to his apprentice Timothy and he said, I am chief of all sinners. He's like, I'm the worst one, (laughs) y'all. Isn't that crazy that as he journeyed in his spiritual walk with Christ, the more he understood who Jesus was, the more he understood himself and he grew in humility? Isn't that incredible? That our chief desire should be to glorify God, to walk after him, to become fully devoted. And the more you do so, the more humble you should be. The the less time you should spend thinking about yourself and elevating yourself, but rather decreasing. So again, how do we walk in humility? How do we humble ourselves? How do we look to the interest of other people? Well, I would say that you can't ever forget your small beginnings, you can't forget God. The moment you forget about the Lord or forget how important it is to be dependent upon him, the more you're going to think about yourself. And it's important to try to forget more about yourself and think more about the Lord because pride will have you always thinking about who? Yourself, right? Hudson Taylor was one of the most effective missionaries in the history of the world. Felt called to China during a time of heavily persecution and was helping the underground church get started. One time Hudson Taylor was invited to speak in Melbourne, Australia. And as he was getting ready to speak, the moderator of the service got up and started talking about all the accolades and, and accomplishments for the kingdom of God that Hudson Taylor did. And just these eloquent terms and just all these different adjectives to describe Hudson Taylor. And finally he said, I, I want to ask all of, all of our church family to put your hands together for our illustrious guest, Hudson Taylor. And Hudson slowly walked to the pulpit And was quiet for some time. And the first things out of his mouth was, dear friends, I am just a little servant to an illustrious master. He never forgot who he was in the Lord. No matter how greatly he was used. I would argue that he was greatly used by God because he never forgot that he was just a servant. Mother Teresa said, I, I've never done great things, but rather I've done a lot of loving things and a great God. I have only been used as this pen. I'm just a pen that the Lord uses to write his love letter to the world. It's this heart of humility that the Lord goes, all right, you can be trusted. I can bless you. I can bring favor. I can use you. And it's oftentimes reciprocal to our humility. So may we walk in humility. May we treasure and, 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 and value humility. The reality is, before Jesus, humility was never used in a way of being noble or positive. It was always used as, as in a negative fashion, to be a, a servant, a slave, was humble. And it was never something that you would aspire to be. But Jesus flipped the script on that. He changed that. And when we talk about how do we walk in humility, again, let's look at this scripture in verse 3 of Philippians 2. It says, think of, yourself, of others as better than yourselves. Think of others as better. If you want to look to the interest of other people, you've got to see their value. And you have to see that they're, they're made in the image of Christ, right? Like Jesus says, as you do to others, you've done to me. So in the Spirit of Christ, we got to see that in other people, like we're serving the Lord. And so how do we treat other people better than ourselves? St. Francis says, treat everyone as as though they are superior. And so I want you to imagine, it's a very practical challenge this week, what would it look like for you to just everybody who's around you in your circle of network, whether at work or at home or in your neighborhood or even here at church, treat everybody like they're your boss. All right. Like everybody that that your spouse, your friends, not the not your real boss or the the people who you're a direct report to, like you, you have a different tone of your voice, right? You're always respectful for them. You want to say, but imagine doing that to everybody. Police officers, homeless people, your neighbor. Like imagine like you're gonna because here's the reality. You walk into a room. And, and it's almost like human nature. We're conditioned to, to kind of like go, all right, who are the people that we just naturally like? Or who are the people that we perceive to be important? And then we're going to give respect and we're going to honor and we're going to help that person. And oftentimes we ignore who might be perceived as the least important in the room. A janitor. Someone who uh, doesn't have the level of income that you have. And it's easy to make a stat, snapchat. And we may not do it like as, as a bad motive but I think we've almost been conditioned, right? But what if we flip that? What if you, when you walk into the room, yes, honor the most important, but also honor the least important. Look for ways to give time and attention to people who don't get a lot of time and attention and thus reflect your father in heaven. And so what would that look like? I, I, I encourage you again to, to be very intentional with it, to give time and attention. Because the opposite of honor is not to dishonor through insults, but rather the opposite of honor is simply to ignore. And so as you give time and attention to everybody, you're going to look to the interest of others. And it may not feel natural, but by faith, I want to encourage you to do that, to treat everyone like they're your boss. Verse 5 Paul writes, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, you must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. And so, again, understand you were made in the image of the Lord. And so have his same nature. And so what was the nature and character of Jesus? Verse 6 and 7 of Philippians 2, it says, Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. As when he came to this earth, he gave up his rights. And we have got to give up our rights as well. What rights? Well, the right to be in control, the right to um, have your own way, the right to be a jerk, the right to be arrogant. You get, as When you follow Jesus, you give up those rights, right? Like that It's important that we understand that we've got to give up those rights. In verse 8 of Philippians 2 it says he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. So these are things that were written about Jesus by Paul, but didn't Jesus live his life this way? Like notice in John, just in the Gospel of John alone, these are some things that Jesus said himself. In John chapter five verse 19, he said, "The Son can do nothing of himself." Remember, these, this is Jesus talking. In John 5:30 he says, "I can't of my own self do nothing. My judgment is just." Because I seek not my own will. John 6, 38. He says, I am come not to do my own will. John 7, 16. He says, my teaching is not my own. In John 7, 28. I am not come of myself. In John 8, 28. He says, I do nothing of myself. John 8, 42. Just a few verses later. He says, I have not come of myself. But he sent me. John 8, 50 says, I seek not my own glory. John 14, verse 24, he says, The words, these are the words of Christ, y'all. Like Jesus is, remember when he looked out and he saw people who were weary? What did he say? He said, Come to me. And then he makes this statement about himself. You won't see him when you read through all four gospels say a lot of things about his own character and nature. I mean, guys like Paul do that a lot. But Jesus didn't. But in this one case, we get a glimpse of just a rare time that Jesus talks about his own character and nature. He said, come to me, all of you who are weary, heavy burden, and I will give you rest. And then he says, for I am gentle and humble of heart. Then he says something very important. He says, learn from me. Learn from me. It is wise for us to have a correct understanding of Jesus, that we have good thoughts, that Jesus is humble, and that as followers of Jesus, if we're going to be devoted followers of Jesus, we're going to need to walk in humility. And that's going to happen when every day we humble ourselves. Again, if we don't do it, it's going to happen. So we need to do it ourselves. So every day we need to humble ourselves. Every day we need to get on our knees. Every day we need to, like Romans chapter 12, it says to to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. and say, Lord, every, today I empty myself out of my own desires and my own control. Help me to reflect your humility. What would that look like? Today, today I don't want myself to, to, for everything to be about myself. I want to be so focused on the interests of others. I want to be so preoccupied on the nature of God. And I want to live my life in such a way. Jesus didn't just, he didn't just talk about humility. He did it, Right? In John chapter 13, right after he had communion, the last time when he was on earth with his own disciples, it says in chapter 13, verse 4, He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, he tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. So one of the last moments he had with his disciples after having the, the Lord's supper together, he takes a knee, right? While they're sitting down and he takes this basin, he takes the towel and he begins to wash their dirty feet. He begins to wash the feet of the one who was going to betray him. He began to wash the feet who objected. Peter said, you can't wash my feet. It, and Jesus said, if I, you don't allow me to do this, you have no part of me. Remember what Peter said? He said, and then, man, wash everything about me. But Jesus was Communicating. This is the way of the master. This is a this is the way I want you to live your lives. And so we've got to be very careful of how we walk and how we talk and how we act. I think we can miss the tone in just a very practical way when we communicate, when we share about our opinions. And I know it's difficult, and there's polarizing opinions, and it's very uncertain, and there's it's very emotional right now, but we've got to be careful of what we say and how we say it. And so I want to challenge you to refrain from when, you, when it's heated to just text a friend or email a friend or write something down on social media. Again, perception is reality. And if you are a follower of Jesus, you don't want to come across as being arrogant and proud. And that's often what happens when you, when you just want to be right. You want to be heard. And, but if, we're not, if it's not coming from a humble heart, it's going to do more harm than good. And you're going to set yourself up for failure. And you're going to misrepresent the very nature and character of Jesus. So we must choose humility before you pick a side. Pick humility. So instead of just writing a text or an email, pick up the phone and just call. They're going to hear your tone in a conversation. Instead of just posting something on social media, then just post a video of yourself talking. And you will; it will go a long ways in, in reflecting the humility of Christ. And so would you evaluate yourself? Just examine your own heart. Some of you, you just need to like, you're maybe not self-aware of how you're being perceived or coming across, but you're wanting maybe control, and maybe you're coming across as being sarcastic or argumentative. And the Bible talks, we just read in, in Philippians 2, right? It says very clearly, like in everything you do, don't argue or complain. How many of you are like, my kids need to read that verse. They need to memorize that verse. You know the reality is? We all need to memorize that verse. And more than that, we need to put it into practice. And we're in a time where everybody, it seems, is and I know that's a generalization, but so many people are being argumentative, being complaining, they're, they're being critical. And we're missing it. We're missing the heart of the Lord and and we are first to do so in a loving and a humble way. And so how can we do that? How can we humble ourselves but to do so in a loving and a humble way?